Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. I hear you sing, and certainly it is beautiful. But at the same time, it is an amazing prayer. It's an amazing statement. Here I am, send me. I mean, it's, it's a reflection of and, and resembles the exact statement, the exact posture of Jesus as he went to the cross. Here I am, God the Father. I will go. I know this is going to be more, or more than I could ever imagine. That's not more than I can bear because you go with me and you send me. And that same posture is one that God calls us to. And so my heart, my prayer is as your pastor and as your brother in Christ, that it wouldn't just be a song that we sing in here, but that it would be a lifestyle that we lived. Here I am, God, whatever it is you want, wherever you want me to go, send me. Well, this morning, uh, we have a, a special treat. Uh, if you'll remember, we had in the fall, we had a, a special, uh, an additional membership class because we had so many individuals that wanted to join the church and typically do a spring class. But uh, because of the amount of people we, we had that wanted to join the church, we, we had a fall class as well. We do have a spring class coming up. And in fact, it starts on Wednesday. So just a quick announcement there. If you haven't uh, yet signed up and you want to come and just kind of figure out what we're about, maybe hear more about our church, what we believe as a church, maybe our theology and our understanding. Um, we do encourage you to sign up for that. You can do so through the app. Uh, I scan the QR code in the seat in front of you. You can stop by uh, the information center. There's a table out there as well. But what I will say about the fall class is we had so many people that wanted to, uh, to join. We had actually, you remember, they were all across the front of the platform and the, the top stage, which I don't often use. And, and uh, so the, 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 um, the new members were all across there, but we had four individuals specifically that couldn't make it that week. And so we are uh, delighted to have them join us this week as an opportunity to be able to join the church um, and uh, to be able to, to come in reception in front of all of you. We have, I think we only have one in this service. I think the other three will be in second service. And so I'm going to ask if you are, um, if I don't see you in here, but if you are going to join the church this morning, you know who you are. Come on to the front if you would. Yep. So I, I met, uh, this is Kathy Gilmore. I met her in the lobby as she got here this morning, and she said two things to me. She said, the first thing, I'm not going to jump on the stage like somebody did. Uh, if you'll remember, uh, one of our new members jumped up on the stage here and did kind of a high jump. She's not going to do that. And she said, and I also feel like it's the first day of school. She was so excited about new beginnings. And the first day of school comes with a lot of, you know, you got a little bit of anxiety. You don't know exactly what's going to look like. You probably aren't going to stand in front of all your peers on a platform like this, but that's okay. Um, uh, in this opportunity, you obviously are among friends and you're among family. And, uh, and with that too, it's an opportunity for a new start together with, uh, with the people that, that love you, that are here with you. So I'm going to read a little bit and uh, I'll ask you to respond here and there on some specific things. And then congregation, you'll be able to do the same. Um, I already did introduce, this is Kathy Gilmore and uh, she's uh, uh, a delight. If you haven't met her before, if you haven't had interaction with her, she's a delight to be around. Uh, always encouraging, always with a smile, a lot of joy. And uh, so I encourage you, uh, you're going to get barraged after service now, but I encourage encourage if you don't know her uh, to shake her hand and to welcome her uh, after service. Please wait till after service to do that if you would. So. Well, dear friends, the privilege and blessing which we have within the fellowship of the church of Jesus Christ are very sacred and precious. Christ so loved the church that he gave himself for it, sanctifying himself that the church might be sanctified. 
He chose to speak of himself as the head of the church and the church as his body. And again, he spoke of himself as the husband and the church as his bride. Christ gave himself unselfishly and he asked the church to share its glorious relationship with all humankind sending it into the world to preach the scriptures, to save the lost, to administer the sacraments, to maintain Christian fellowship and discipline, and to build up the believers until he comes again. All of us, whatever our age or position, stand in need of Christ's church and of those means of grace which it alone makes available. It is in keeping with Christ's commission to the church that we meet together now in this place, in this space. There are some among us who testify to who have having been received already into the spiritual fellowship of the universal church and who desire to receive into the to be received into the official and visible fellowship of this local unit of the body of Christ. This person it says these here but you're the only one today. This person stands before you to come to enter into covenant as a member of the Wesleyan Church. With all of the accompanying rights, privileges, and responsibilities, she testifies to having been born again. She has received the sacrament of baptism and has been instructed in and has accepted the doctrines and polity of the Wesleyan Church and has been approved by vote as manifested in the LBA and in the spirit and practice of God's work of grace within her heart. She's responded appropriately to the membership covenant questions as required by the Wesleyan discipline and has been encouraged and approved by our local board to step forward in membership. By coming before us today, you indicate your purpose to publicly, publicly confess to the Lord, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that he is your God and the object of your highest love. You have accepted the Lord Jesus to be your Redeemer and the Holy Spirit to be your sanctifier, comforter, and guide. You joyfully dedicate yourself to God that within the everlasting covenant of His grace you might be used in His service to glorify and honor Him, and you promise to hold to Him as the highest good of your life, that you will give diligent attention to the commandments and principles of His Word, and that you will seek the honor and advancement of His kingdom. And that forsaking all ungodliness and worldly desires, you will live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You do also purpose to join yourself to this church, submitting yourself to this, this principles, to its principles and government, excuse me, and by walking in love and fellowship with all its members, seek its peace, purity, and growth in grace. Kathy. Do you freely and sincerely devote yourself to be the Lord's within this fellowship of this church? If so, answer, I do. I do. Right. Um, at this time, I'm going to ask for a response from the church. And earlier, Jeff got you warmed up by saying, God is good all the time. All right, so we're ready. We're warmed up. May the members of the church now join me in welcoming this new one as, uh, to our fellowship as assuring to her of our love, our prayers, and our care for her in days to come. Do you, the members of this church, Christ Community Wesleyan, receive her to our communion and fellowship as a beloved sister and promise to walk with her in love, to instruct, counsel, admonish, and cherish her, and to watch over her with all longsuffering, all gentleness and all love. If so, answer, we do. Thank you. Let us pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we come to you now thanking you, God, for who you are and for what you've done. 
Thanking you, God, for the membership that we can have to step into your universal truth as brothers and sisters in Christ, and also the membership we can have within the context of one local body as we come together in commitment to each other, God, to lift each other up, to glorify you through our actions, through our interactions, through, our, through the gifts that we have, God, as we bring our gifts to the local storehouse, as we give, bring our, uh, the gifts that you've given us to the Spirit and you give our resources to the local storehouse, God, as we come to this place May we be your hands and feet. May may we be your mouthpiece. May we be iron that sharpens iron. May our lives, our, our, our actions, our words, our thoughts, everything we do glorify you and edify your church. God, we now lift up Kathy as she joins this local body in official manner. God, certainly she's already been part of your universal church, but now in this moment she joins CCWC in an official capacity. And as she does so, God, may you bless her steps. May you lead and guide her in this place and beyond. As she goes out as a representation of your, of your mouthpiece, of your hands and feet, God, may she be the, 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 in, in all aspects, in all ways, the epitome of what we just sang, God, Lord, here I am. Here I stand. Send me. God, we pray that you would just continue to pour your blessing out upon her. May you protect her from any, any attacks, any snares of the evil one. God, may you bind Satan from any power he might have over her and allow her, God, to walk in your way. We thank you, God, for this moment. We thank you for this time that we can glorify you and gather together. It's in your son's precious and perfect and holy name that we pray. And all of us said together, amen. 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 Well, Kathy, on behalf of the Wesleyan Church and Christ Community Wesleyan Church, it is my pleasure and my blessing to give you the right hand of fellowship. Welcome to our fellowship. Welcome to our church. Can we show our appreciation and our welcome? I'm done. You're done. You don't have to jump off, but you can can go on your own. Well, if you do see Kathy in the lobby afterwards or in the coming weeks, please take a few moments to just stop and welcome her, greet her. Uh, As I said, she is a delight. And perhaps even if you're having a day where you're kind of down a little bit, she can brighten that with a smile and a kind word and a hug as well. Actually, I'm going to read this benediction before I'm done. It says, Now unto him who is able to be exceedingly abundantly above all that we asked or think, According to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series. Uh, we're walking through this idea, this concept of giving up. And this past week, I, um, I, I have a birthday coming up, and it's, a, it's an interesting one. It's where both numbers change. Um, and so it is... Uh, it's, a, it's a, uh, a, a reflective birthday in some regard. And this past week, I, I took a few vacation days. My kids had spring break, and I wanted to spend time with my family. And I found myself a few times here and there uh, with, a, with a small little moment of, of peace, a small little moment of quiet. And during those times, I spent some time in reflection, thinking over the last uh, X amount of years. And during that time, I I couldn't help but think about and reflect upon the way God has been moving and changing and interacting in my life and in the lives of those that that I've been able to be in contact with. And I I was hearkened back and I I came back and I was reminded of the moments, those, those main milestones when God affirmed in me, called in me that he was calling me into vocational ministry, to step into ministry where I would serve within the context of the local church. 
And I was in high school at the time, and I remember specifically back then there were two districts. Now, uh, the, the, um, the Wesleyan Church in general in, in, in Ohio has had uh, some transformation, some changes, so to speak, in the structure of how it's gone. And there was two districts at that time. It, there had actually been four at one point. There was the Eastern Ohio District and the Western Ohio District. And, and we fell in Eastern Ohio, and actually this church also fell in Eastern Ohio. And so I actually knew some of you before I even came to this church because of our district interaction. And we used to have this thing called family camp where everybody would go. And it was held at Mount Vernon Nazarene uh, College at the time, university now. And we would go to Mount Vernon for a week and the whole family would come. And there would be things for students, there'd be things for children, but there'd also be family services where everyone would come together. And I remember specifically coming together for some of these family services. And for the family services, depending upon who the speaker was, it was either a time where me and my cousins would come up with different games that we would play to pass the time. Or if they were a little bit more interesting, now get you, get, mind you right now, if, if I am the person that's making you come up with games right now, hey, I'm, I'm helping with your creativity, just so you know. But at the same time, there were some that were very interesting, and we would sit, and we would hang on every word. And I remember specifically this being one of those weeks, or this, this, this one of those nights, where this speaker was, was sharing some information that was very, very impressionable to me. It was very, very important to me. And I remember specifically that the Spirit was speaking through this individual, and I heard an audible voice say through the speaker, and then it seemed like almost in, in, in some way that God was speaking directly to me, that he wanted wanted something in my life, through my life, that I had never really thought about before. He wanted me to step forward and say yes to him and whatever he called me to. He wanted me to have the, 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 the posture and, and this, 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 uh, this position of God, here I am, send me. And at the end of the service, near the end of the service, as the band would play, he, he made an invitation for anybody who felt this call to step forward and how God was leading them to come out of their seat down to the front. And I thought to myself, I know there's an ice cream social after this. And if I go down front, I'm going to find myself at the end of the line. But it didn't matter. At that point, I realized God was saying to me, I want all of you. I want every bit of you. I want that piece that wants to go here, that piece that wants to do that. I want that, that piece of you that, that has other desires. I want all of you. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? I've tried it myself. I've tried to do these other things. I've tried to live this life. And certainly I know that I can't do it myself. I'm going to go all in for God. And the Bible, and, and, and specifically God's uh, teaching through the, the, the person and the, and, the, and, the, and, and the divinity of Jesus, often talks about this, this, this sanctification, this holiness, this becoming more like God as we give ourselves to him, being bent towards him. And it was in that moment that I recognized that God had led me to, to, to turn all that I was towards him. It doesn't mean I was perfect, but it meant that my desire was his desire rather than my own. And I didn't know what that was at the time. I didn't know exactly what that looked like at the time until time went on and I began to serve more in my local church. I began to, to, to look into what God was calling me to and where I was going to go to school after I graduated. And finally, the very next year, after some time had gone on, some things had happened and, and I'd gotten a little bit comfortable, the very next year I found myself on a mission trip in a third world country and I'm standing there in the midst of all the things that were going on around me and God said, look, as I change your perspective, as I help you to see things through my eyes, I want you to realize that I, I, I have a call for you to serve me vocationally in the local church. 
And at the time, I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that God was calling me. He was, he was, he was putting something on my heart. And I recognize that in our lives, it's not all, all of us aren't going to be called to be a missionary to some foreign country or to pastor in a church. Or we're not all going to be called to vocational ministry, so to speak. But we are all called. We're all called to minister in our context. We're all called to give all that we are. And certainly today, as we talk about this giving up, this, this concept of giving up that we've walked through in this series, today's text, today's sermon, today's topic points towards this, this real understanding that God's call for us to give up our lives is not a half in, one foot in, one foot out. It's not a, it's not a let me try a little bit. It's not a stick our toe in the water. It is an all in endeavor because God desires all of us, every bit of us. And so as we look specifically on his call to be his hands and feet, as we look specifically at his call to be his mouthpiece, his call to give up our lives, we recognize that it's far more than just something that we do, but it is who we are, what we are about. Paul writes a little bit about this concept of of understanding what it means to be all in for God in his second letter to the church in Corinth. In fact, if you want to turn there, we're going to read Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 in its entirety today, and specifically in this letter, to kind of understand and to, to properly frame this reception, this message for us today, we recognize that with, 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 with all understanding, with all perspective, that, that Paul is writing to a world, writing to a culture that is carnal, that is sinful, that is, that, is, that is many different, quote, idols that are before them, that has people that are trying to teach things that are, that are not of God, that are not within the context of the gospel, that the response that he has is simply, look, I'm, I'm trying to write to you this truth, and I realize that I'm even being undermined, but let me just tell you the message I'm bringing, the good news I'm bringing is from God and God alone. Paul gives a a strong defense of his credentials, his message, who he's ordained to give him this message. He reminds the church of the message of correct doctrine, the good news that we have. And he reveals that God's call is for heart change, for us to be transformed from the inside out. Ultimately, God is in the business of bringing life out of death, of giving us a new life when we give him all of us, every bit of us. And so giving up our lives is certainly about giving up the death of what we, what we live in, the death of spirit, the, the spiritual death that we experience so that we might experience spiritual life. And so right here in the context of this specific letter, Paul lays it all out there for us to understand as much as the audience, the original audience would have. Starting in verse 1, and it reads like this, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. That that passage alone harkens back to this understanding of the the Israelite people who wandered in the desert, who had this tabernacle. And if you read about it from the book of Exodus, the book of Numbers, you see God had this intentionality of bringing forth an opportunity for, for the Israelites to be able to, to come before God. And they had to have this, 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 this whole process of being consecrated, of being brought into this place of holiness so they could be in the presence of God. And they had this building that was set up with the holy place and the holy of holies. And only specific people could go there to bring forth this sacrifice. And then Jesus comes along and in this one, 
one verse, Jesus comes along and what he says is, look, because of me, because of my sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice of God, not a created being, but of God himself, brings the opportunity to tear the curtain, literally and figuratively, so that you and I, all people, can be in the presence of a holy God. We'll pick up in verse 2. It says, Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead of our heavenly, instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing that it is to come. Guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and, to, and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are in the home, in the body, or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others what we are, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that we can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Maybe you didn't hear that. Let me just read that again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
There's a lot to this passage, and certainly there's probably several sermons that could be spoken out of it. There's a lot of different things that, that Paul is pointing towards here, but the crux of it is found right there in verse 21. It's the summary of the gospel. God made him who had no sin to be sin. He sent Jesus to take on the sins for us so that in him we might become righteous of God. Jesus being the only way the only source, the only way that we can experience a, a cleansing, a sinless life, an engagement with God the Father. The exchange made here is ridiculous in a lot of ways. God made it possible by us giving him our sins so that we might experience life. He, he said, give me the worst of you. Give me what has caused you to be separated from the Father, separated from the one who created you, and I will give you life through my death. This exchange made it possible for us to receive his righteousness, his reconciliation, and be in an, in an engagement with God. As we look at specific things that come from this passage, I want to pull out a few points that help us to understand what it means to truly give up. What it means to truly give up. Verse 5, if we jump back, reads like this. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit within grants us the confidence in the promise that God gives us in eternal bodies. The Holy Spirit grants us the opportunity to, to, to respond to and experience the goodness of God. And if you're a note taker, the first point is this. When we give up our lives to Christ... We have eternal life in us now. We have eternal life through Jesus, through, through Jesus' sacrifice and through the, the empowerment and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Disciples of Jesus have eternal life in them right now. The person of the Holy Spirit is living in you. This tent we talked about from verse number one is, is this understanding metaphorically that we are now the tent. We are now the tabernacle. We are now the temple. And the Spirit lives within us if we're a follower of Jesus. This should, this should really impact us. This should bring forth a new understanding, a new paradigm, a new way of living. With this promise, we should have this great motivation, a courage, a patience to endure the road ahead. In verse 9, it says, we, we live by faith, not by sight. This power that we have is through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone. In my reflection time this past week, I thought about the different things, the different places that my wife and I and our family have lived. And I, I, I went back to the, the first place that we served in Pennsylvania. We had this little apartment uh, that was actually an upstairs apartment, and, and most of it could fit on this platform right here. And I remember specifically, we didn't have cable, and so we would go on walks, and we would go to a nearby college, and they had a, a, a uh, you know, a little bowling alley in the basement for real cheap. We could play games there. And, and I remember going to uh, the, the downtown. We kind of walk around down there. It was Everything was pretty much in walking distance from where we lived. We didn't have cable, so when we were home, we just kind of would, would relax. We'd read, we'd talk. And sometimes I would people watch a little bit because there was some interesting people that lived in our neighborhood. And I remember watching out our back door or out our back window, the, the people behind us from time to time, they'd have a picnic or something. And sometimes they'd invite us over. But one time uh, they must have been getting ready for something. The, the, there was a, an older son that lived in the house. He was either a teenager or maybe uh, early 20s. And he was uh, out there mowing, getting the, the yard mowed. And his, his, his backyard was probably about the size of this stage up here times two. So it wasn't real, real big, but he's out there push mowing. And it gets to a certain point where the mower stops. About halfway through, the mower stops. 
And I thought to myself, I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder if there's an issue with the mower. I wonder, you know, is he going to fix it? And I, I see him leave the backyard, and he came back a little while later with another mower. And he continued to mow around the rest of the yard. He got the whole thing done. He took that other mower, and I think he had borrowed it from another neighbor. He gave the mower back. And I remember later on asking, what happened to the other mower? Was there an issue? He said, oh, I ran out of gas. <laughs> and the funny part was he left that mower in the yard for weeks afterwards. <laughs> it was almost worthless. It was worthless because it didn't have the, that vital thing that kept it running. And as I look at our lives in a spiritual context, if we don't have that vital thing within our lives, we're simply dead. If we don't have the Spirit leading us, guiding us, directing us, giving us courage and, and passion for this world, giving us the opportunity to be able to step in the way that God calls us, we're basically just a mower out of gas, sitting there not good for anything. I know it's not easy to give up our life. None of us would say it's an easy thing to do. However, our, our perspective of God will change literally within our lives should we allow Him to lead us, to guide us, to show us the way. Jumping down to verse 8, we read this. It says, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In giving up death or giving up our carnal lives, we actually live. We continue to live in, in all regards, but we live differently. And the point is this. When we give up our lives to Christ, we receive eternal life with Him. When we give up our lives to Christ, we receive eternal life with Him. And this is very important. Because we are created to be eternal beings. All of us are created to be eternal beings. We have the eternal existence already as soon as we were created. However, when we give up our life to him through salvation, we receive eternal life with God. Because we, 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 are at etern we have eternal existence no matter what. But if we live without him, that's not life. We live without him. We're, we're, we're living separate from him in a place of damnation, in a place of, of, of pain and suffering for eternity. The reality is that we have existence no matter what, but we don't have life unless we're with God. Matthew 16, 24 and 25 read like this. When Jesus said to his disciples, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Verse 9 and 10 right here from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 reads like this. So we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. If we are here on earth or we are in heaven. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I recently saw a t-shirt that says, my home is in heaven, I'm just here recruiting. And I love that t-shirt because it gives us a perspective, a changed perspective and understanding of what we're really here for, what we're all about. It's a different way of looking at the world, a different way of looking at one's circumstances of why we're here and what we're doing. And when we look at it in that context, we recognize that the whole thing is about how can we glorify God? How can we help others, introduce others into this love that we have experienced through who God is and what he's about? It's sad to me sometimes that faith, our faith in Jesus makes the priority list, that it gets to be on the priority list. It's sad. Because let me just tell you right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, your faith in Jesus is the priority list. 
It doesn't make the list. It is the list. And then everything that you do, whether it's work or relationships, whether you're a a mother or a father or a child, whether you're a a sibling, whether you are in school, whether you're a teacher, whether you're, uh, no matter what you do, everything that you do is in light of, under the umbrella, under the sphere, under the scope of your faith. The decisions that you make, how you run your business, how you correct your child, how you spend your leisure time, the way that you study, all of these things fall under the call of being God's child. It's really about, it's almost like a flow chart. It's really about a a cause and effect. We live differently. We do things differently. We say things differently because of our faith in Jesus. It's not down here on the same line as everything else, something that we do uh, along the way, but instead it's a trickle-down change transformation in us. God calls us to live outside of the box, not to box him in. Our faith is more than just programs and projects that get maybe even put on by the church or other parachurch organizations that we take part in. Instead, our faith is a lifestyle. It's it's, it's what saturates every part of what we are. There used to be a phrase called YOLO. Anybody heard of this before? It's been a while. You only live once, right? Can I just tell you, to some extent, that's a little bit true. I mean, the heart of it is go do fun things, jump off a cliff, skydive, right? That's kind of the thought of it. But the reality is this, it's not true in the fact that you actually live twice. So maybe yolt is the new one, right? (laughs) And here's the reality. The first one determines the second one. Our life here on earth, the way that we live, the things that we do, the way that we interact, who we allow to be on the throne of our heart determines what happens with our second one. For those who believe in Christ, when our physical bodies die, it's only a transition into eternal life. The death doesn't stick, so to speak. We don't stay dead. Our body doesn't doesn't just, just decay and that's the end of it. Instead, our spirit goes to him and we have a new body in him should we respond to his call. And I, I know this because I, 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 I've been there before and I've had conversations with people before. That this question comes up when we talk about this understanding of giving it all to God. And the question is this, why would I want to give up my life? Why would I want somebody else who maybe I don't know, somebody else who I can't see to be in control of my life? And let me just tell you, it's because of the greatest bargain ever. And I mentioned this, I alluded to it earlier. We give him our sin. We give him our darkness. We give him the worst parts of us, the brokenness, the parts that separate us from all things that, that would, would be considered, even in this world, to be considered a detriment, a darkness, a discouragement. And in that, he gives us freedom. And you might be saying, well, that doesn't work. If I'm, if I'm allowing God to be the Lord of my life, the, the leader of my life, how am I going to be free? I can tell you, freedom isn't about doing all the things we want all the time. Freedom is about living in a place of peace that only God can give. And in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. The old is gone. What you used to be is gone. You're not turning over a new leaf or, or starting something, uh, you know, kind of being cleaned up. Instead, you are new. Altogether, you are new in him. And the point is this. When we give up our lives to Christ, we do so to his control. And we do so to his control because he gives us this new understanding of life in a place where we can finally experience rest. 
Have you ever been just running and running and running for weeks and weeks and weeks and think, man, am I ever going to get a day off? Am I ever going to get a moment where I can just relax with my family or just relax in peace, where I can just put my feet up and just do one of these deep, <sighs> in fact, let's do that. Everybody in here, you ready? Deep breath. <sighs> we all just saved a plant. Good job. Well done. <laughs> You know, it can seem confusing. I get that. But the real rest, the real peace that we experience is when we finally give God the control of our life because we know, and you know this, and I know this deep down, we can't do it ourselves. I remember when I was a youth pastor and I thought about this uh, this past week too. I remember when I was a youth pastor and we'd go on a trip and I would drive that 15 passenger van. And I'd drive that 15-passenger van. All the kids in the back would be making noise and playing games. And we'd get to the place we were going. And we'd have all the things. And I remember one specific retreat, uh, a winter retreat. And uh, Jordan took the students this past week to uh, a spring escape, uh, to a retreat. And, and I know that, and just talking with him a little bit afterwards, God moved and, and brought some transformation in the lives of the students and, and the volunteers that were there. And they went with Chillicothe first. So there was a big group that came together and, and relationships were forged. It was an awesome opportunity. But I know that Jordan can relate to this as we kind of talked when he got back. I did some preaching while I was there. I remember the van even broke down. I had to work on it with one of the other leaders. And we just, all these different things. One of the students got hurt and had to take him to the hospital. It was fine. It was just, you know, whatever. But we got all these things done. And I remember getting back to the church and the final kid left, which there's always that one kid that takes forever, right? And, and parents that get there. And we, final kid left. I, I turned the, the keys. I, I filled up the, the gas, uh, the van with gas because I didn't want to sit there like a mower, right? And I, I remember turning the keys in in the office, locking the doors, getting ready to be done. And I just had this <sighs> moment. Right, Jordan? You've been there? God worked. God moved. God did so much, but it felt so good to just be like, okay, God, I'm done. And certainly when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to the, the things that we do, it is so refreshing, so real, so transformative to finally just take that deep breath and say, God, it's yours. Do with it what you will. Do with me what you will. I hope, I pray that you have a, a deep breath moment if you haven't already in your life. Where you finally say, God, I can't do this, but you can. I say that often. In fact, I said it this morning. God, I can't do this, but you can. And you know what's freeing about that? His control, his provision, his way is always better than mine. And oftentimes it's in ways that I never would even imagined was possible. Oftentimes he'll do something and I think, well, that was, yeah. Okay. I get it. Kind of. But I recognize that you know more than I do. I recognize that you have better plans, better ways. The, the Christian are made new. A believer is made new on the inside. The Spirit grants new life, not the same as before. We're not who we used to be. How shall we live, you ask? Colossians 2, 6 and 7 reads like this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him rooted and built up in him. Rooted in him doesn't mean that, hey God, I'm going to say a prayer at the altar one day and then I'm going to go do the things I want to do because I know better. Rooted means we continue to come to him for his, his strength, for his capacity. We come to him for wisdom and godly knowledge that we get only from scripture, not from the news, not from our horoscope, not from that roommate, even though they're really smart. Although God does speak through people. I take that last one back. 
rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Does everybody in here know somebody who's overflowing with thankfulness? Can I tell you, sometimes it's annoying, right? <laughs> Seriously? Your cat just got run over by a truck and you're so thankful that the driver wasn't hurt? I mean, it's like... <laughs> overflowing with thankfulness. Can I just say, what an amazing legacy. What, in a, what in a, a totally amazing picture it is if people were to look at you and look at the church in general and say they are overflowing with thankfulness even in the midst of the darkness of the storm they are overflowing with a thankfulness for the joy that they have in the one who has come the one the only one who has come that can bring transformation when one experiences the power of this conversion, one is not turning over a new leaf. One is not just saying, okay, I'm going to be washed out. Instead, one is beginning a new life. And now we find ourselves in this understanding of what it means to give up our lives. Back to verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And the bottom line is this, we will not die for Christ later if we're not living for him now. That's kind of a confusing statement, so let me explain. The reality is this, when we look at our lives now, whatever we are living for are our priorities. That is our value. That is what is most important. That is what we literally will die for. Some people out there will die for a sports team. Some people out there will maybe even die for something valid and, 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 and something important. Maybe another person, maybe an organization, something they're part of. But let me just tell you right now, you won't die for something later that you're not living for now. And so God calls us to live for him now so that when we do, when we do pass from this life, we experience new life. We experience something greater and new in him. Righteousness in and of itself is a verb. It's something that we live out. We live differently, not to, to gain our holiness or to gain some good resume with God, but instead as a response to what he's already called us to. And so here's the big question I'm going to ask, and I'm going to take a moment to kind of reflect upon this. The big question I'm going to ask is, who or what are you living for? And I'm not asking for the list of priorities because the list of priorities is there for all of us. We all understand. We have family. We have, uh, you know, our, our vocation. We have, you know, different things that we live for. I get all of that. But who or what are we living for? Meaning who or what is on the throne of our heart? What is the, the one thing that we come back to? The one main thing that motivates us, that brings forth change, transformation in us. As time had gone on and that, that call that I received so long ago, I can't help but remember because I was faced with a, a, an image of it this, this past week as well. My parents came to visit and they, they've, they've been gathering these videos from a while ago. And you know the embarrassing videos of how your hair used to look and the different things you used to do. And they had this video they brought. It was the first sermon I ever preached. And it was bad. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> I mean, everything there was, was uh, there was nothing heretical, but I just, Sheree's shaking her head. She said, no, it was good. Uh, okay, I couldn't get past the jeans I was wearing. But in any event, I looked at that and I couldn't help but remember that after that, that, that one of the pastors that I had that was a mentor to me kind of sat me down and he, he watched the whole thing, which I'm not good at watching myself speak. So I just want you to know that. And I remember sitting there with him and he was kind of giving me pointers. And eventually he walks through this whole thing and he says, you're called to this. And I realized at that point as God was calling me and I had this 
this prospect, this, this, this perspective of God, here I am, send me, that he was calling me to step into vocational ministry, he was calling me to pastor, he was calling me to this, this specific thing that, that he, had, he had given me the gifts to do so that it was for the betterment of the church, not for myself. And that same calling wasn't just for my vocation, but was also for my life. And that same calling is for you and for me today. The same calling is to have this perspective. And, and his, his question is this, would you do the same? Would you live out what we just sang? Would you have this perspective of saying, God, here I am. Send me. Send me to where I, where I go to work. Send me to my, my, my roommates. Send me into school. Send, send me, God, to, to, my, to my spouse so that I might be your hands and your feet. Maybe you're in here right now and you're having a rocky time with your spouse and you're kind of hitting, you're, 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 you're hitting heads. You're, you're kind of, you know, it's, it's not a good time. And God's saying to you, look, it's time for you to, to basically be selfless. To express your love through your actions and your words. That wasn't in my notes. So if that's for you today, let me just say the Spirit is speaking in a way who's saying, look, I see you where you're at. I see you in what you're in and I have something far greater than you could ever imagine. But what it takes in many regards is for us to say, God, here I am. Send me. I give up my life. I give up all that I am. And I give it to you. The old time word for this in some regard, the, the, the big word is sanctification. It means a bend towards God's will, a bend towards what he would have rather than towards our own wills, the things that we will want. And, and, and the question is, will you allow God to sanctify you, to bring forth this change in your life today? Who or what are you living for? And so to close, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a moment, and, and, and after a moment of silence, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for receptivity. I'm going to pray for life change. But if you're in here right now and you're saying, look, I, I, I want to answer this question. Maybe you answered it a long time ago and it's a refresher. Maybe today you want to affirm something you already believe. Maybe it's something that's new for you for the first time as we're about to come to the Lord in prayer in this moment of silence. If, if it's you today and you want to answer this question, who am I living for? And the, the answer you have is I want to live for God or I am living for God. I want to encourage you during that moment of silence just to stand in your seat. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to say anything. No one's going to come and put a microphone in your face and say, hey, share your whole testimony. Share everything you've ever done. No, this is just a moment for you to respond to God's call in your life. And so if you want to answer that question, God, I want to live for you, or maybe you want to affirm that, God, I am living for you, this is your moment. So would you bow your heads with me in this moment of silence, in this moment of response? If God's calling you to, or if you want to affirm it, if you want to say it for the first time, I want to encourage you to stand and to live for God. Heavenly Father, we come to you thanking you, Father, with an outpouring of thanksgiving. An outpouring of thanksgiving because of the fact that you have not left us nor forsaken us. You have not said, well, you sinned, good luck, I hope you figured it out. But God, you moved into the neighborhood. You sent your son, Jesus, God. And as we're going to celebrate and reflect upon in simply, in two simple weeks, God, we, we look 
forward, we fast forward just a moment to recognize that the greatest action of passion we've ever seen, this planet has ever seen, which is the God of all creation, the God of all goodness, entered into this world and died as, as, a, as a sacrifice for the humanity, for the people who literally turned their back on him, who sinned against him. But God, in the midst of that, you give us newness. You grant us newness. Your word says that you have taken the old self, the old, and have, it has gone and you have made us new. And so God, as we experience this, this sense of conversion, as we're maybe even reminded this morning of the conversion that we've experienced in the past, may this be a time where God, we step forward and say, God, I don't just want to experience your salvation. I want to experience life in you. I want to experience new life, real life in you. I want to go beyond the simple measure of just uh, of, of saying a prayer or maybe experiencing a salvation for the first time while it is transformation, while it's an amazing thing, God. You want, to, you want us to live life far beyond. God, I pray that today we would give up our reins of control, that we would hand everything that we have over to you. And I pray for those that are in here today that have made this commitment. Maybe they have in the past or maybe they're making it for the first time today, God, that you would give them a sense of your blessing, that you would pour out your grace, your, your peace over them and your joy over them. God, we thank you for the way that you move in our midst, that you have not left us, that you continue to work, to lead, to guide. You continue to grant us your love. We thank you, Father, for all that you do. We ask you to continue, God, to move as we go from this place, as we turn off the live stream, as we go to the next thing that you have for us. God, may we do so with the priority of you and you alone and everything else falls under it. Thank you, God, for what you do and for who you are. In your son's name we pray, amen. Would you listen just for a moment to this benediction? John records this thought from, from Jesus, this story from Jesus embracing the loss of a friend of Lazarus. Lazarus has died, and as he responds specifically, he brings forth not just a, an understanding of the physical life that comes from physical death as his friend Lazarus is raised from the dead through his power, but also the metaphorical understanding of what that means spiritually. And he says this to, to those that are questioning. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he poses the question, do you believe this? Go this week in response to Jesus' call, his understanding, and to Paul's teaching that we believe it. We believe in what God has done. We believe in Jesus' power. We believe in the fact that he can and he does transform lives. Go this week knowing the spirit lives within you. Maybe an imperfect tent or imperfect tabernacle, whatever that looks like for you, but certainly a temple of the most high God. Go with God. He'll go with you. God bless you. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. 
You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.